First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. episode 688 of First Class Fatherhood. I am happy as always to be here with you guys and I have got a banger for you guys today. Doc Brown joins me on the podcast. Dr. Adolph Brown III, that is. He is affectionately known as Doc Brown. Most recently, you've seen him star as the co-host and the parent expert on The Parent Test on ABC, which pitted a bunch of mom and dad teams against one another to find out who has the best parenting style. Doc Brown is admired around the world as one of the world's most trusted parenting and relationship experts. He was the youngest tenured full professor in the United States when he was 29. He is a businessman, a mental health and parenting expert, a clinical psychologist, an author, master teacher, research scientist, and keynote speaker. But above all else, he is a first-class father of eight children. You heard that right, eight children. He is also a man of deep faith, and that guides everything that he does. I'm absolutely honored to have him on the podcast today. Doc Brown will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you'd like to watch today's conversation between the parenting expert and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, I am hitting you guys with a Monday episode here. I'm going to hit you with three episodes a week over the next few weeks. Joining me on the podcast next week is going to be a guy who started selling hats on a street corner in Brooklyn and turned it into a multi-billion dollar clothing industry empire. You've seen him on Shark Tank. Damon John will be joining me on the podcast here, so don't miss out on that one. Make sure you lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all the other upcoming guest announcements. Don't forget to take advantage of the MyPillow discount. Buy one, get one free over at MyPillow.com. They got the MyPillow 2.0. If you love the MyPillow, you are going to love this cooling element that's been added to the pillow. You got to check it out. MyPillow.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. Buy one, get one free. MyPillow.com, promo code FATHERHOOD. Save up to 66% on your entire order. All right, so let's do this. Don't forget, help me spread the word about this podcast every father in your neighborhood and your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up right now with Doc Brown on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Doc Brown. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Let's start like this. This could take up most of the show, but how many kids do you have? How old are they? Eight, and they range from 21 to 33. Wow, yeah, very cool. I got four myself, so I'm halfway there. We got three boys and then the <laughs> girl. So if we didn't get the girl on the fourth try, we'd be trying to catch up to you, but we're, we're, we're safe and sound where we are. Uh, we if, have if four you, boys, four girls. <laughs> wow, even split. Nice. Uh, if you could, please just take a second to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. I'm a clinical psychologist, master teacher, uh, parent coach, parent expert, but uh, most importantly, uh, one of God's many children. Yeah, and that's the key to it. So take me back, if you could, uh, to the beginning of this fatherhood journey. Uh, about how old were you when you very first became a father, and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Well, uh, it, it changed my perspective on life based on the fact that my mom and dad divorced um, after 20 something years when I was two years old. 
um, five children. My dad woke up one day and said he didn't want it anymore. And, um, kind of wish he had waited till I'd grown up to become a clinical psychologist because, uh, I would have helped him with his midlife crisis. But, um, the issue was my grandparents stepped in my life pretty much afterwards, more so. They were farmers. So much of who I am today is based on lessons that I learned on a farm. When my dad left, we moved to the inner city for a while, getting in trouble in the inner city. I went to the farm, but I really wanted to live there after a while. So I became a father in college. I was at the College of William & Mary, and I met the most beautiful, the most intelligent woman that I'd ever met in my life. Uh, I'm from Virginia. She's from New York. And I became a father as a sophomore in college. And it was um, not necessarily terrifying, but it definitely wasn't something that was in the plan. Uh, my grandfather, my, my grandma, my mother, my uncles all uh, helped me deal with um, remaining in college, getting a job, full-time job, while being a full-time student at a very uh, rigorous college, the College of Women and Mary. And also, uh, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend then, Marla, uh, talked with her dad. Uh, and he was probably the most uh, understanding and compassionate adult outside of my granddad that I'd met at the time where he said, um, you know, you and Marla didn't plan this. However, um, you were doing adult things, and as a result, this is what could happen, and it did. And he wanted to know my plan. And I told him that I was going to be the best dad ever. And what was surprising is that he said um, that I didn't have to marry his daughter. And I told him I was in love with her, and she said she was in love with me. So the marriage didn't take place right away. But it did take place, and we're married to this day. Wow, incredible story, Doc. And, and you know, it, it is the thing I harp on the most here on this podcast is the fatherless crisis that we have going on in our country with so many kids growing up without a father. Now, you've obviously found that positive male role model in your life growing up with your grandfather, for one. Uh, but it's it's the kids that are not finding those positive male role models. Some of them find it in a coach uh, through sports. Some find it in a teacher. Uh, some find it in the military. But it's the ones that are finding it in the street. This is the reason why we are filling up the prison systems in this country with fatherless young men. And in my Definitely. opinion, it's it's the number one social issue I think we have going on in our country. What's your take? Yes, I think it ranks definitely in the top three. And, you know, unlike, you know, young people finding a role model, a physical role model in a coach or um, a teacher, uh, I also think that God provides a very strong example of what it means to be a good father. Um, one of the things that helps me be the compassionate, empathic father that I am today is when my children mess up, I often think of how God feels when I mess up and how that must crush his heart. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think we, we sometimes don't add that variable of when we talk about children with role models, you know, we, we have a faith that exists that is actually the, the perfect example. 
Yeah, and, and, and if you combine that too, you, if you have uh, the heavenly father removed from your life or never introduced into your life and you have no yes. father in the home physically, those two things, yes. are, they, they yes. are very detrimental. And, and so I'm a man of faith. I have three um, altar boys. My three boys are altar boys. We, we pray every day before we eat yes. dinner. And I think, and, and all the studies show too, that if the father brings their child to church, the major impact that has on that child going, the, whether, whether or not the mom goes or not, and if the mom goes and the father doesn't go, the, the stats show that the kids do not continue into adulthood going to church and improving on their faith and sticking with it. And I think you're right. I think the fact that God is missing from so many lives of our youth, that combination of the heavenly father and the physical father, boy, that's ripping through our country like, uh, like a time bomb. Definitely. The Office of Juvenile Justice Delinquency Prevention, OJJDP.org, actually cited that having... Um, are knowing for young people having something that's bigger and greater in their life. Now, of course, they didn't name it, but of course, we could both, you know, discern who they were talking about, what they were talking about. That having that protective factor was a huge correlation to not entering the juvenile justice arena. Yeah, and listen, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict myself, and I know that's one of the major things is 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 having the higher power. So for some people, they choose whatever it may be. Uh, for me, right. it's Christ, and for me, uh, you know, it, 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 it's different for everybody. But it is, like you said, that, that higher power. So you they allude to that, however it may be. Exactly. Uh, so I, I I think it's so important, and I know that you obviously you just did the um uh, the parent test, uh, which I think is so important to have the highlight. This is what I try to do, Doc, on this show is bring all these high profile people on here that are known for winning Academy Awards, uh, winning Super Bowl MVPs. But it's really through the experience of becoming a father that's given them any real fulfillment in life. I mean, those are the stories I try to capture here on the show. So I, I'm glad to see there's a show dedicated to this. What was your experience here uh, with the parent test, and uh, what is the impact? it's making on parents out there well my experience was the fact that it started a very needed national conversation on the importance of parenting good parenting whereby parents are responsible for loving their children challenging them making sure they're healthy engaged safe and supported when, a, when parents do that children have a much better likelihood of being successful in life so that's what this show was about to me um, and seeing the various parenting styles and being able to uh, provide assistance and guidance when I saw that those styles weren't necessarily consistent with a positive future for their child. And, and one of the key parts of this is the discipline portion, which has changed so much over the years. So I'm curious about you with eight kids. Uh, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? No, I, I'm very discipline style that I grew up with. Um, pretty much my mother, my, my uncles, my grandparents were pretty much, uh, they believed in guarding and guiding with lots of love. They believed in being firm and kind. And when I say firm, understanding that every single child, even they don't may not ask for it. Every child needs consistency, structure, limits, and boundaries. And that's become more important now than ever before. I tell parents, all parents, that your child shouldn't hear no the first time outside of your home. So, I, you know, a child hearing no in school and they can't take it and they have a tantrum. A child hearing no uh, with law enforcement and, and they don't uh, comply. That's a big deal. 
So parents, you know, it starts at home. And, you know, I would be pejorative in saying or thinking that every child comes from a home. I, I know that some children are rearing their own siblings. So I, I get that. But the fact of the matter is schools can't do it alone. Society can't do it alone. That foundation, that home foundation, that's what I say is the number one issue in society. Not necessarily the fatherless crisis. That, that's in the top three. But the number one is, is, is the, the fraction, the, 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 the fragmented home environment today. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Growing up myself, I was one of these guys where uh, if, God forbid, I broke a window in a building, I would rather the police catch me than my father get me because exactly. I knew I was in trouble. And when that is removed, when that kind of and some people will argue yes. about that, you shouldn't have to fear it. There's a there's a fine line with fear and respecting and love all encapsulated in the fatherhood role. And I'll, I'll be honest, all these guys, I would say nine out of every 10 that I've interviewed on this show, Doc, when I ask them the discipline portion of the question, they'll say, oh, it's much different. I grew up with the spanking, with the switch, with the belt. And I and I don't do that to my kids. And so there's been a shift. And I think a lot of that has to do with, too, maybe not being able to wanting to admit openly in a public pl a platform that they do spank their children because today it's so highly looked down upon. And obviously there's a big difference between uh, spanking a child and beating a child. Uh, and, and, and also, too, every child receives in, uh, discipline and, and needs to be disciplined in different ways. Spanking doesn't work for all kids. Well, well, well let's mention the fact, too, that I travel the world giving master classes. There, there are many school districts that still uh, allow spanking in our country. Uh, Georgia is, is a state where, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I am saying that, you know, yeah, do we have other uh, options? Of course. But the bottom line is to truly curb negative behavior antisocial behavior, maladaptive behavior, you have to be able to get your child's attention. Every child is different. So at that point, the parent is the authority. The parent has to decide how best to get that child's attention. So I grew up very similar to the, the, the gentleman that you were talking about. Guess what? My children grew up very similar to the way I grew up. Uh, I know the law. I, I know psychology. I know child uh, development. And I think that many of the things that we've removed from parenting has been detrimental. And, and when you say fear, and I understand that, but I'd like to say like a reverence. My grandfather disciplined me. Uh, you know, I was getting in fights all the time. I was being bullied. But he was wanting me to have impulse control. But the way that reverence went with my granddad, it wasn't one of those things where when I got in trouble, I can't tell my grandfather. It was when I got in trouble, I got to tell my grandfather. So, so yeah, there, there was a, a balance, and he knew that balance. I knew he loved me. I knew he wasn't doing anything to steal my fun as a child. He wanted me to have opportunities that he didn't have, and, and he did his best, and um, unlike some of the contestants on the show who are trying to parent differently than they were parent parented, I actually parented very similar and I thought they were extremely successful. Yeah. And that is the point too. All out of those people that I did say that I asked, they all turned out to be very successful through that. And what's interesting too, what you say there is the same Hebrew word for fear 
it can be translated to revere as well. So it's <laughs> like uh, it, it is such an such an important piece of it. And uh, another an interesting thing that I want to get your take that's facing so many parents today is obviously and, and I'm almost there myself with it because my oldest is a junior in high school is college right now, because while right now so many parents are still paying their college debt, they're trying to save for their kids to go to college uh, to kind of repeat the same cycle again that they're doing. What advice do you have for the parents out there right now that are right there getting ready to look at colleges and they're seeing all these people coming forward begging for someone to help them pay off their college debt? Uh, are we sending these kids into just a, a, a detriment? Are we going to bury them in college debt? What is what is the best way to approach? Is college necessary to succeed in today's world? What's your take on it? No, college is not necessary to succeed. Every child, I need everyone to know this, every child is a study of one. Research, they're bumpers. Okay, they, they give us an idea, but every child, that's what makes parenting so hard, being a dad so hard. Every child is a study of one. So knowing that every child is a study of one, why would we cram college down a child's throat? I did a, a master's thesis on the fact that in high school, I was the first person in my family of five to graduate high school. I was terrified. Uh, everybody else knew what they wanted to do. I didn't. I had no role models for this college thing that my counselor kept talking about. I wrote my dissertation once I got to college on that very, this question. I said, after college, as educators, as parents, as guardians, we have to make sure that the children know the 3E approach in society. In high, after high school, 3E, you can be employed, you can be enlisted, or you can be enrolled. And it's important to understand that one is no better than the other. Wow, that, that that's incredible too, and and so and there's such a confusion too with thinking that the college degree equals education. Uh, it, it's not the same because if you if you are hungry uh, for the knowledge, you can find it. If you seek, you will find it. Right? If you knock, the doors will open to you. Uh, it's not a matter of just going through the motions and getting the piece of paper. Right. And now you're educated, like the scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz gets the diploma. And, hey, now I have a brain. You know, it, right, it doesn't right. seem to work that way. But there seems to be that confusion, as if like it's just following the same patterns. And it, I would love to see that get disrupted because there's so many other ways today, especially uh, with this internet, with the access that we have yeah. to media. The opportunities have never been greater, I feel, for the young men and women that are coming through the system. Definitely. And, and I got to tell you that what research is showing us and telling us with, about parents today is that parents are extremely concerned that based on the way things are now, particularly in higher education, college, that their children will never reach the level of success that they've reached. Now, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and I am a, I'm a, I'm a railroad mechanic. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for a job. I've been over two decades. I've been doing that. And uh, it, it's interesting to see the paths that my children are, are choosing to go. Some getting involved in mechanics like I have yeah. others that now are. And, and one of the things, too, just like you said, how every kid is a study of one. All the kids, yeah. my kid, my four are completely different. I would imagine yeah. all eight of yours are completely different. Well, one that's thing right. that I found with my teenagers that has been helpful to my wife and I is the book, uh, The uh, Five Love Languages. By, by Chapman, not only for my wife and I, but we've done it with our teenagers. And boy, was that such an eye-opening experience to see. We were like, wow, we, we totally were wrong on the way our kids were giving and receiving love. That's right. That's right. Understanding that they're a study of one, that uh, their love language may be touch. Their love may, language may be service. Their love language may be um, um, gift-giving, communication. So, it's important to know not only your children's love language, there's another part of the personalities that we don't 
necessarily talk about today. And that's uh, whether or not an individual is an introvert or an uh, extrovert or an amnivert. And it's not about shyness for introversion. It's about where you get your energy. So when you know the person that you're uh, parenting, when you know the person that you're married to, when you know that sometimes they re-energize being alone and they crave solitude and silence, and you might be an extrovert who always wants to be out in the midst of things, those are important as well. So once we know the love languages and we know, once we know how people energize, and it, it just helps us all get along better. I'm fascinated by it all. That's why I love being a dad. It's some of the things I just have to chalk up to when I see them doing. I'm like, boy, that's fascinating that they do it this way. You know, there's no other way to really explain it sometimes. And I wish, too, that the messaging in this country would be. And that's one of the things. Also, one of the gigs I do is a part time Uber driver, done thousands of trips, talked to so many young men. And whenever I tell them I have four kids, they look at me like I got four heads. I can only imagine uh, what you get. And today, years ago, families in this country uh, were a lot bigger and they lived in smaller places. Today, they have smaller families and we live in bigger places. And it seems like somewhere along the line, the young men especially have gotten this idea or this fear that having uh, getting married, starting a family, having kids is going to somehow ruin their life. And we need that message to get out that this is the goal to shoot for. This is the most important thing you're going to do. And that's that's why I love (laughs) the fact that they have a show, the parent test, that you're out there because we need to encourage these young men to get started and get moving early. Well, the research for young men being married actually... uh, is actually positive, where uh, it improves our health. <laughs> we live longer in healthy marriages. Um, the, the, re- the research shows that women are also um, helped, but not nearly as much as a man. You know, it, it gives us a, a sense of stability and, and, and so many other wonderful things. Um, I, I think it goes back again to what did an individual's family look like for them? And that family structure, that that family structure, uh, when when that broke, uh, there were many other things that society just followed suit. So so we have to get back to basics. As men, as men, we're more than uh, protectors and providers. We have to nurture. We have to love. We have to show emotion. Um, and it's important, so important that we. Tell our children without a doubt that there's nothing they could ever do to make us stop loving them. If it's drugs, if it's uh, violence, if, if, it's, if it's those things that they do to get off the course, we let them know there's nothing they could ever do to make us stop loving. Doesn't mean we won't be, be disappointed, but it's nothing they could ever do to make us stop loving them. Everyone is redeemable. So that, that's another message, message that fathers we, we need to incorporate in, into what we're saying and what we're showing to our children. Yeah, very well said, Doc. And I would love to just like a call to the dads out there that have uh, abandoned their responsibilities as fathers to come back because it would almost be like the story of the prodigal son where, you know, the dads that are there doing their thing every day, they don't need that that pat on the back or that recognition. But the one that's been lost and is now found, boy, will our society rejoice. So that's why uh, I love the message of what you're doing. Obviously, the parent test is one. What are you working on now? What's next? What's coming up for you? Well, what's next? We're uh, in talks of a Doc Brown uh, midday daytime show. Wow. Awesome stuff. Congrats on that. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice, I know you covered it a little bit here as we were talking about, what kind of advice do you have for that brand new dad out there or that about to be father who's listening? 
brand new dad know that, um, and, and I'm going to say something that's not popular, but I want people not to be surprised because most fatherhood experts, so to speak, won't say it. But good parenting, being a great father, can be inconvenient. And that's part of the course. So you won't get every round of golf in if that's what you do. Uh, going to the gym may take a back seat to going to your child's recital or game, baseball game. So I, I want to throw those out there because television, Hallmark, and all these other things make parenting seem just so wonderful. And it is. Without a doubt, it is. But there's a whole lot that isn't said. And sometimes when we run into those barriers and those brick walls, sometimes fathers want to give up. I'm letting you know that it's going to be challenging. But that's a part of being a father. Wow. Very well said. I love the message. Uh, this has been an honor for me. I got to say, Doc Brown, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. I appreciate you. Keep doing that great work. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.